Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Ah, it's so great to, great. It's so great to have you all back. Uh, oh, you coming off of? Thank you. If you're hey. talking to me. Oh yes, yeah, Sam. It's great to have you. Back. I assume you're talking to the listeners, but thank you. Yeah, it's it's so wonderful to have Sam back on this joyous occasion um, after uh, a game that was never in doubt. Nope. Uh, so, Alex and Nathan, uh, w- welcome to you all as well. Um, Thank you. Where where do we even start with this game? So Let's start I second get... half, because that first half sucked <laughs> okay. ass. I, I want to start with talking about, like, my feelings going into the game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was as confused as I have ever been going into an OU football game. Um, right. I felt similarly in terms of how, like, I just kind of was dreading the game. You know, like, I think I <laughs> yeah. tweeted, oh, crap, now I have to watch OU play after, like, an enjoyable day of football. Um I felt honestly pretty similar to how I felt the day of the OU Alabama game for the playoff last year in that I just was like, I don't think this is going to go well, but I also don't know. And I just kind of want to delay that feeling as long as I can. Um, and that, yeah, it obviously it started that way. And um, how, what were your guys' thought processes during the so first half? I had, well, going into the game, I had, I was, reasonably confident i was actually surprisingly more confident this week than i was last week for i don't know why just like gut feel i didn't think we were going to blow them out I, I i actually i think i predicted like 38 31 or something like that so i was, ended up being pretty close just the path to get there wasn't anywhere where what i expected it to be but uh the i i certainly didn't expect the wheels to fall off uh so quickly in the first half and i mean after having seen this that happen like multiple times in the last calendar year, I was simultaneously like frustrated and angry and just kind of laughing at it. So um, I don't know. I, it's it's the it's it's both at both times like one of the best games I've ever watched and like one of the worst like <laughs> just awful and um, head scratching. So there's a lot of emotions going on for sure. Um, I felt, um, and I'm kind of fascinated by the progression of my feelings during this game, because uh, I didn't realize how nervous I was about this game until it started, and I was like, oh, I do not feel good. Um, and then the first half happened, and I was like, oh, that's why. Um, but I, I, that, that was the fascinating thing for me, was, um, so I turned the game off after Jalen dropped the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, inexplicably, for no reason, just left you're it not, on the ground. You're not a real fan, Ryan. <laughs> I did turn it yeah. back on um, relatively shortly after that. Um, and I don't know, something about that, because at that point I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, season objective failed. It's fine. Now I can just watch this and whatever happens is whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was a tremendous relief um, to just be able to like sit back and be like, oh, okay. Like this yeah. doesn't really matter. 
It's like how it's how I feel like when I watch OU basketball. It's like I want them to win, but I don't really like care that much if they lose. Like not in the same level, you know what I mean? Because I just don't have the same level of expectation. So whenever they're like struggling and I just kind of checked out mentally, I can just kind of enjoy for what it is. And that's what I was talking about with the I was kind of laughing through it simultaneously part. Like right. Oh, that, they and, just look really shitty. And like right. <laughs> I can just and that, laugh that, and that was the point where and it's you know, it's probably not great that it reached this point. You know, as far as like, you know, team quality goes, but mm-hmm. like the first half went so poorly that I wasn't even mad about it anymore. And I could just laugh at it like and I was like, you know, they're going to yeah. try and come back. And that's pretty unlikely. I was um, so sad. I so, was amused. Yeah, so yeah it was like one <laughs> once they once they went down 28 to three, which lol, um, the um, it was like, OK, they're going to try and come back from this, and uh, you know that's pretty unlikely. So let's mm-hmm. just uh, let's just see if it happens. I don't need to get too like anxious or stressed about rooting for it to happen because it probably won't. But if it does, that'd be neat. Uh, yeah. So as a result, my mental state in the second half was like as good as it has been in an OU game in a long time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how about you? It's kind of like you're watching playing with house money. You're watching right, playing with exactly. house money. It's like there's. Exactly. I'm like we've all said amused at this point. Don't care anymore. But if we come back, cool. That'll, that'd be dope. I came into it kind of so going into Iowa State, I was like, oh, I really think we kind of blow them out, coming off a bye week and a loss. And then I was wrong, obviously. And then coming into this one, I was like, okay, I still like, I'm confident in this team. I think it'll either be like a blowout or maybe we'll keep it close. Um, I didn't think it was going to be like a 10, 14 point boring win. And then, you know, after the first quarter, I was like, wrong again, dumbass. Um, (laughs) So yeah, we like, it's so weird watching this team because if you look at everything over a long stretch, they're kind of exactly what I thought we would be. The only problem is we do all of the good things I thought we would do this year all at once. And then we do all of the bad things all at once as well. And so it's like, if you look at it over the like progression of a game or even the whole season, it's like, yeah, this is about what I expected, but God, the the way, you know, everything compiles at one time negatively is just absolutely horrible. Yeah. It's like Like periods of intense goodness and periods of intense badness. Like there's no intermediate parts. Right. They're either it, really good yeah. or really awful. Yeah, it would be fine if they were just like, oh, this is a pretty good football team the whole time. <laughs> but right, instead, yeah. it's like they're yeah. unstoppable or they're incompetent. And it's like... Yeah. And it's like if all the things that happened in this game are like interspersed throughout four quarters, it's like a good football game to watch that we're never really worried about. Like they... And that was kind of the story of the second half was that like Baylor's did the same thing we did. I mean, everything bad happened to them at once. They had a turnover and then just could absolutely could not get anything going. Mm-hmm. And it's like if they had mixed some of those three and outs into the first half and we had mixed some of our turnovers into the second half, like it's probably, you know, a very similar result, just, you know, more enjoyable to watch the entire game. Mm-hmm. So I think what you guys are, I mean, you're talking about, periods of intense goodness and periods of intense badness. I mean, that really kind of lies on, you know, one player personifies that more than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pat Fields. (laughs) The highs are so high for Pat, but, (laughs) but like, 
I mean, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, man, is just so different than what I thought he was, man. Like I, I thought we were gonna get a really steady guy. Right. He might not win you every game you need him to, but he probably won't be the reason that you lose ever. And yeah. my God, was I wrong. Like, he was both the reason that we were down by 25 and the reason that we came back and won the game. You know, there yeah. was li- there was a time, and again, I'm you know, I'm probably going to be showing how bad of a fan I am, but there was a time where I said, yeah, we probably need to take him out of the game because yeah. – the decisions he was making and the things that were happening were just so bad. You can't have a quarterback that is going to continuous, continuously give the other team the football and deep in our own territory like that. You just can't have that happen. And, yeah. you know, obviously I didn't think we were going to win the game, but I, I, at the same time, I was like, you know, if we're going to come back, it's going to be because he turns it around. And there was part of me that felt like, oh, you doesn't get blown out. Like, they just don't. Like, they get down big a lot, or they've done that several times over the last, you know, couple of years. But we always come back for whatever reason. And, yeah. You know, often Lincoln's we, done a Lincoln's yeah. done a really good job of just kind of establishing that mindset, I think, of, like, you're never completely out of it. Because you just kind of, you I mean, you hit the nail on the head that just in the last year, this, like, the year 2019, we've been down huge against Alabama, huge against Kansas State, and huge against um against uh, Baylor yesterday and if you you can throw in Texas last year in 2018 yeah. and all four of those games they came roaring back so yeah it's almost uh, i mean it's at this point it's a trend it's not a you know it's not an anomaly each time it happens they come almost all the way back and are in again and almost every, all three or three of the four of those instances I, i'm pretty sure they tied it against Texas didn't they and then yeah. Texas came back and scored in Kansas State i mean they were a uh, bad call by the officials from being able to potentially have a chance to tie or win that one also. So, I mean, yeah, at yeah. this point, at this point, if we're ever down 20, I'm not, unless it's like two minutes left, I'm, I'm not throwing in the towel. Right. Well, and you know, I mean, again, like it has happened enough that, yeah, I was very, I was disappointed, but I was like, I'm going to keep watching this because you never know what's going to happen. And like, Mm-hmm. I know I looked at the, the scoreboard and I looked at Baylor's 31 at halftime and I felt comfortable saying that Baylor was going to have to score more points if they wanted to win the game. Yeah. Because I was like, offensively, we will score. I know that will happen at some point. I didn't know how we were going to do it. And we definitely went about doing it differently than I thought we would. Yeah. But I was like, reasonably confident that we would score but like in the Alabama game last year we got down 28 nothing and yeah you could say the same thing that yeah Alabama's gonna have to score more points but you also knew that that was 100% gonna happen absolutely like well, this the year, thing oh sorry go ahead bit, there's a little bit of a difference in that like once we got down by 25 against K-State they didn't score again once we got down by 25 against Baylor they only scored three more points, and we were down 21 at halftime. So, like, there's clearly a difference defensively this year than there was last year. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I saw a thing yeah. today where I'm pretty sure they're still ranked in the top 40 in defense, in total defense. I know it's total defense, but still, it's total defense in the Big 12. I mean, right. they're number right. one statistically it's, in the Big 12. Right. Like, defense. total defense is a bad statistic because, like, playing in the Big 12 inflates it. Right. Like, yeah. So, so – 
this defense is dramatically better. Yes, they are still inconsistent. Yes, they still have awful lapses. But on the the whole, uh, I mean, they're absolutely better. They're like fifty spots better. You can't <laughs> you can't take that away. Right. Um, so yeah, they're. Listen, I mean, and I thought, you know, there was an obvious switch. Something, some kind of light went on. Uh, they got a lot more juice once that first uh, that first fumble happened. Whenever Motley punched that ball out, it's like right. they almost all as a whole just kind of said game on, you know? So, right. Well, it's like that happened. And like, like a lot of the discussion about that has been like, oh, it was like, you know, they got the monkey off their back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I really think that was a moment when like, you know, they got a takeaway and they were able to say, oh, OK, like this defensive system works like they like all of a sudden they were like, we don't have to like lose our mm-hmm. minds over not getting a well, take, not getting takeaways anymore because we got one. Now let's just do our jobs. Well, and the thing to, it's it almost sounds cheesy, but it's take takeaways to this defense the way that it's been proposed and the way that it's been kind of schemed or how presented as a defense as a collective takeaways are like the symbols of the things to achieve and so they were able to have one of those symbols it's a symbolic moment and they have it's kind of something to rally around i know that's kind of cheesy but i think that they can it's something you can point at it's a little different than a three and out where it doesn't quite have the same punch to it i mean three and outs are essentially they're i mean in that instance, they're almost like a turnover, but they just don't quite have the same level of, uh, of, um, you know, energy that goes along with it. So, right. and you can see it on the sideline. I mean, that's as much as a, of jumping around as I've seen on the sideline in you know a few years. So, um, I it, it's hard to sum it up. I mean, it's the biggest comeback or comeback in school history. I mean, how do you uh, boil that down right. to a few to a few words? But I mean, can, do we need to touch on? I mean, CD Lamb was a huge storyline of the game. We haven't even mentioned right, right. him CD not was playing. Out the game. Yeah. yeah, and, and a lot of that saw, was, mm-hmm. I was, yeah, like where did, where are your explosive plays going to come from? Because yeah, a lot of that CD, was, from CD your... was the explosive play guy. And that time. was that was kind of the whole reason I thought like I, I did not think a comeback was going to happen. Like Alex said, he thought they were going to have to score more points if they wanted to, you know, beat OU. And I thought, yeah, they literally just have to score any more points because all of our touchdown drives, it's not like OU offenses of old where you can go, you know, 70 yards in four plays. I mean, right. our one touchdown drive at the end of the half was six minutes long and 14 plays. And then our one drive at the beginning of the half was six minutes long and 12 plays. And yeah, so I had turned- someone texting me, like, asking about what's going to happen. It's like, I really don't think OU doesn't have – they're still an efficient offense, but they don't have the explosiveness – that they've used to have. And I don't think without any explosiveness, I don't think a comeback is even possible. Right. Well, Baylor, I mean, we can, I mean, I'm going to give props to Baylor. Baylor played well defensively. I mean, they averaged OU to like a full two yards less per play than anyone else has this season. They're tackling. Well, the only guy, uh, the only player that I can think of that, you know, broke multiple tackles was Theo Weiss. I mean, they were tackling well, um, but they they basically turned OU into like Wisconsin of these twelve yard, twelve play drives like you mentioned right. over and over again. But the thing was OU kept converting everything, so they yeah. basically just played keep away for a whole half. Um, right. I, I would. Lo- I don't know what the exact numbers are here, but 
obviously this is the most plays OU has run in a game this season by far. Like, yeah, probably would, like thirty. Uh, right, I would have probably to in a while too. Like in multiple, probably since like Landry Jones was the quarterback. Mm, Landry, maybe. Yeah, like I don't know, um, because God, that, that was the thing about this team coming into this game is that it was honestly the offense ran like one of the lowest number of plays per game in the country just because it was so mm-hmm. explosive and for it to completely change gears um and mid game too like. mid ga- yeah just mid game change gears like develop into this and this is something i thought was really impressive and i think bodes really well moving forward uh however little moving forward there is left in the season um but the like the offensive scheme in terms of running the ball like it seemed to me like we moved away from running counter all the time because like you know i i think this line i i think it's fair to admit by the way that the um reporter at the big 12 media days who suggested that a team might regress on offense after they lose a heisman quarterback and four nfl offensive linemen uh i think that that might have been onto something um, and yeah, so I think that this line isn't necessarily going to be able to destroy people, uh, with pulling guards the way l- last year's line was consistently forever. Um, but this team can block on the outside, like no one's business. And so yeah. we move to the, these like outside zone plays where like you're getting first off, like deploying. Jalen's abilities at the mesh point, which he's like one of the best mesh quarterbacks I've seen in a long time. He's he can hold that forever um, and basically force the defender to be wrong at that point. Um, and then, you know, you let Kennedy Brooks on, loose on the outside where he's getting some of the best perimeter blocking in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, I mean, that's almost w- brief tangent worthy because. Ever since Lincoln and Dennis Simmons came in 2015, I mean, our wide receiver blocking is absurd every year. Yeah. And even last night, whenever it was a bunch of freshmen, Theo Weiss, Jaden Hazelwood, all those guys out there, there there's one play specifically. It was on, I think, the – it might have been OU's final drive when they kicked the field goal, whenever they were on – they got sacked on the very first play. And then Candy Brooks ran for about 30 yards right. where the where the blocking was just perfect. It was Lee Morris and Theo Weiss, and it was just a huge lane for him to run through. Um, and it's a big play because they were in a, you know, they were a bad yardage situation, and then all of a sudden they're midfield. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't want to take too much on that, but that, I just want to shout out to Dennis Simmons because it's – extremely noticeable and a lot of OU's biggest plays are because of that perimeter blocking right so that's why like I'm really excited that they like decided to lean on that and I think that's something to look for moving forward is those outside zone plays because they are going to be a way to that's how this team is going to gash people Mm -hmm. on the ground now yeah so you know I'm just honestly I'm I'm kind of watching the highlights right now um, just watching, you know, once the offense got going, you know, do you think we kind of found a blueprint for how we need to run offense? Because I know one of the things me and uh, Nathan talked about on the last podcast was 
we weren't really sure what the identity of the offense was at this point. Did mm-hmm. we find an identity on Saturday? Is it are we this more long drive, more efficient team that like when we get CD Lamb back, yeah, we might have more explosive capability, but it's not necessarily just built around mm-hmm. hey, we need to get the ball to CD Lamb twenty times, you know? Like it are we a team that can be more spread it around to all of our playmakers? Because we clearly have them. I think right. to it yeah, I think to an extent, yes. Uh, I mean Lincoln even said that post game. I mean, he, he said something like to the extent of, uh, I think we kind of found ourselves tonight. We can build on this, something to those to that effect. Um, I mean, with CD back, there will be more play action potential. But I think what Jay, I think what this does is it allows Jalen to trust the uh, secondary playmakers besides CD a little bit more. Lee Morris became, is maybe more of a, a safety valve. Those freshman receivers, he trusts those guys a little bit more. A.D. Miller came back from the grave last night. He had, like, three catches. So, I mean, you might see the ball get spread around a little bit. And then, I mean, Kennedy Brooks had 20 carries or 18 carries, something like that. Maybe that continues. So, I think so. Yeah, I really do. And also, um, Austin Stogner, two touchdown catches. Um, Since I guess Grant Calcaterra is dead. I don't know. Um, It's a shame. Uh, yeah, rips are one of the there. greats. Yeah. Um, but no, it's like to have a player like who's able to like find space over the middle, which I feel like a big thing that helped adjust this. I don't think Jalen is super comfortable throwing over the middle a lot of the time, um, which really played into Baylor's game plan in the first half. And I think he sort of mm-hmm. settled down a bit and we adjusted a bit, but he was able to find uh, you know, Stogner over the middle for two touchdowns. Yeah, one of those yeah. was a really awesome. impressive catch. He went, you know, behind right. his body and everything. It was, and also yeah, kind was, of an impressive throw because that yeah, that corner true. was directly in between Stogner and Rambo. It's like if he leads Stogner at all, which is you know what is normal when you're throwing anything to anybody then that's probably, I mean, at the very least, swatted down, possibly mm-hmm. picked off. And so like, he right. put him in perfect position, and then Stogner does a great job adjusting his body to catch that on the opposite side of him from his mm-hmm. momentum. Right. Yeah, Austin Stogner is going to be a freaking menace to any team that he plays moving forward. Like, you know, especially next year, I think if we get a more natural passing quarterback, like, teams are just not going to know what to do with him because – He's the guy that, like, even Mark Andrews was never great at, like, the contested catches that right. him and he's able to come down with it. I think that's going to be Austin Stogner's game, and he's just going to be a menace to teams to have to deal with. In addition, because we've got all these ridiculous receiving talent outside, and then having to deal with him over the middle, it's just really going to be unfair. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that he finally got his kind of first taste of success you know, because I thought this year he would be more of a factor in the red zone. and Yeah, I thought he was going to be kind of like true freshman Mark Andrews, like eight yeah. catches, but five of them were touchdowns or something like that. So Right, um, yeah, so that's good to see um, for him right uh, the other night. Also, Lee Morris, man, we haven't even really missed Grant Calcaterra that much because Lee Morris, and Lee Morris was fantastic last night. Yeah. That was maybe his best game, even though he didn't catch a touchdown. Like, he just... Right. He was that reliable. He was basically like Geno Lewis last night, and that was yeah. 
exactly the kind of player we needed for the kind of offense that we were running. Um, so that's, that's exciting to see. Um, and like, I think, you know, I, I asked the question, like, I, I think that this is the offense. I think this is what it needs to be. Cause if you can just work CD lamb into it, instead of making CD lamb the guy, and I know it'd be great. It'd be awesome to see CD lamb win the Blitnikoff and that, you know, he might do it anyways, but like our focus has to be scoring on every possession. And I think that kind of the forcing it to CD lamb was there's a ceiling there that I don't think there is for this kind of offense. If you're spreading mm-hmm. it around to all the guys. Right. Well, one thing that I have been really frustrated in over the past three weeks, and I'm, you know, there are a million reasons why this is the case. Like we've talked about how few touches there are in general with this offense, but like the, that we just went completely away from those design plays for Jaden Hazelwood, um, which I loved and were really successful and were like a really interesting wrinkle. Um, and yeah, so I I don't feel like we need to like do everything in our power to try and get CD the bullet cough. I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. yeah it, I'm just looking up some stats and like, Obviously, Chuba Hubbard's the best running back in the country, and there's there's really not much to argue with there. But that guy has 259 carries this year. Kennedy Brooks has 81. That's our <laughs> Kennedy Brooks has 81 carries. Like that's crazy. And I think that you know maybe this kind of game is is really and really the last two like the success that I think the offensive line starting to find themselves in the ability to just line up and bully people because yeah, they're not great in pass protection. Um, especially when teams know we're going to pass. Like, I think that they struggle and, you know, shouts to Eric Swenson. Good Lord. He was awful last night. Um, so yeah, but I think that this, this is it, man. This, I think we found something. I think we're going to be a lot harder to defend, you know, as hard as we've been so far this year. Are we still number one in S and P plus, by the way? Um, we are, we are. Okay. That's yeah. surprising me, actually. It's a probably bit. close now. I, As say, to, I would yeah, like, yeah, it, gets, it gets closer and closer every week. I think probably the fact that preseason projections never completely um, factor yeah. out of it, I think we'll probably be pretty safe sticking around there. Well, yeah, but I don't know if necessarily preseason projections. Like, I I think it it's... Um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we get passed by LSU at some point. Um, but even though, like... That's okay. I mean, we might I have can, we might have figured something out though, yeah, uh, and I that can, won't happen now. But I can live with S and P number two in offense. That's that's all right. Right, like, and the the difference is that like, you know, we're number one right now. But like last year, we were number one, and like I had by like five points. Right. Like, yeah, we were so much more efficient. It was absurd. Right. Um. So yeah. So that's that's like the big thing there is. But it, um, it's not going to be the offense from last year, but it can still be the best offense in the country. Yeah, and I mean, if the defense is S and P plus, you know, top forty, I mean, that's a a net better team. So, uh, I mean, I think the, I mean, we can ask the question of, is this the offense we're going to see the rest of the season? Is this, uh, can will they grow from this? I mean, I think you have to also ask that question of the defense. Can they build on that second half, or will we see them right. slip right back and give up thirty to a? you know, I mean, a pretty sub you know, below average TCU offense. I mean, will they slip right back into it? Right. It's, and 
and that's the thing about this team being really inconsistent is right. that you're not really going to know. Um, I hope that they are able to use this as a springboard. Um, and like I said, like with the turnovers they were able to generate tonight, like with a renewed belief in the system and mm-hmm. an understanding of the importance of like playing your role and not trying to do too much, you know, not overcommitting. Um, because you think like there's so many like the um, early on in the game, this was maybe Baylor's second touchdown drive. Um where they have the like the swing pass to the running back that just goes for like what forty yards or something sets them up to score. Um, that was entirely just because um, the safety on that play, um, and I forget who it was. Buki. Buki. It was of course it was Buki. He didn't um, go with the running back. He tried. Right. To, he he yeah. swings down to take that away and thinks he has a shot at the quarterback, so he takes it instead of staying committed to his assignment and letting the line work. Yeah. Um. It's just playing within the defense, and Grinch talked about that after the game. It's like he even mentioned that play specifically as an example of playing outside of the scheme. Right. It's like we can't do that and then expect to have you know success. um, So I mean, it's a it's a week to week thing. They're never going to become you know SMP you know one in a year, but you hope to see them build that consistency. And you know I think. like you said, is I think this could be a big springboard thing. And you, a lot of times these kind of events, these big moments um, turn into that. You see it all the time, or not all the time, but you see it with other teams, you know, fairly frequently where they come back and then they just kind of stay in that gear the remainder of the season. So, I mean, you, you hope to, especially against a bad TCU or below average TCU offense. Go ahead. I'm talking. Yeah. Let me, let me throw out an example for that. Um, 2017 Kansas State, like we were down 14 at halftime, I think, and we were down deep into the second half, and we came back, tied the game, and then we were able to win it in the last minute with a Rodney Anderson touchdown. And then after that, our offense was just better than everybody else for the rest of the Like at no point after that did our offense slow down. No one had any answers for it until like the third quarter in the Rose Bowl. You know? Right. Like that Rodney Anderson touchdown is like, that is the moment that sets the team on a path to like Rodney Anderson having like 200 yards and four touchdowns in a half against TCU. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still salty about Roquan Smith. He brought up a bad memory, but yeah. Oh, man. Yep. 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 <laughs> I mean, he was, the, he was the first running back to break a tackle of Roquan Smith's all season. So. Yeah. I mean, Roquan's like the best college linebacker I've seen in probably at least the last five years, so I can't be too right. mad about it, I guess. Anyway, tangent. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I just I think that this is the kind of performance that can really rally a team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll obviously we'll learn. Like, if, if we are real, if we're a team that is playoff caliber, we'll come out and beat the shit out of TCU next week. Yeah, and I mean – I, yes, I 100% agree. That because that is what you see. Like, if you think about Ohio State, like 2014, whenever they um, kind of kind of hit a skid and then they just took off. That's what they did. They just started beating the brakes off of teams. Like, that's yeah. what you expect to see whenever they hit that next gear. Um, and while we're kind of on this topic, something that was really interesting to me um, that they talked about post game was. Like, t- 
to a man, like the coaches and the players all talked about how good of a practice week they had last week and how that, like, obviously the first half didn't go to go to uh, how anyone expected it to. But, like, even Caleb Kelly, like, tweeted something today about how it's never, he never felt like this much uh, positive momentum um, today. So, as far as like practice and game and everything and how it feel, just feels different, blah, 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 blah. That, you can, that can always be like empty platitudes kind of thing. But um, I think there might be a little bit of that surge in that. So, I think that's just another thing to kind of keep an eye on because Lincoln said in his like post game. Uh, speech to the team like I saw the little two-minute video that OU always tweets out like that it was as good of a week of practice that they've had since he's been here since 2015 so that I mean that speaks to a lot because there's been you know four big 12 championship teams in that time yeah um yeah and that was definitely at the beginning of the game at no point did I think that the energy and effort wasn't there like it just it seemed like exactly like first of all Jalen was being an idiot which just is a thing that happened and the defense was playing outside of their assignment like that was literally what it was it came down to they were playing too hard yeah Yeah, they were playing too hard they were trying to do too much Mm -hmm. and they just you know Lincoln had a full team meeting after we got down 28-3 just like we did in the Orange Bowl and got them calmed down and the game was just different you know, yeah, we right. had the ability to make the comeback after that. Yeah, I mean, he again. I keep referencing things that have that they said post game, but I thought this was like one of the more revealing post games I've ever heard because they kept saying things that like made sense, and that was one of the things he talked about was like they were almost too excited for the game, and that they were just trying to make too many things happen instead of playing, you know, within the scheme within the system. Um, and, and I think that Buki play is kind of exemplifies that in a lot of ways. He he saw an opportunity for the quarterback and ditched his assignment and it burned us. And then right. a, a lot of Bay- Baylor scored 31 points in the first half, but 14 of those came off of fumbles within our own, you know, or excuse me, uh, inter- turnovers that led to the Baylor having the ball within our own like 35 or 30. And then the other touchdown, another one of those touchdowns, they started at the midfield. So, I mean, we basically gift wrapped a lot of those points. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's really hard to beat good teams whenever you do things like that. And right. they dug themselves a hole, but then they got out of it. So you hope that they can continue that momentum. Right. Um, shout out to Gabe Berkich, um, for being, um I really hope he breaks Cybert's records. I really hope he breaks Cybert's records. Dude, dude. Um, dude deserves yeah. it. Um, <laughs> Uh, do y'all like see the strut tweet <laughs> yeah, yeah he does he's got an attitude he's got a freaking cannon for a leg like that guy is awesome he's not quite the kickoff guy that cybert was but he's a better kicker than cybert was and the good right. thing is he's only ever gonna have to kick like that's his thing right so, though really if we're talking about punting i'm not sure i don't know about reeve yeah He's young. Still a little, still a Let's just deep. not punt. Let's just not punt. <laughs> That's a pretty That's decent true. idea there. Let's. I like this. Um, but no. Um, yeah. Now for Gabe Burkich, who wasn't even starting this season, which is wild. Um, yeah, uh, that's crazy. Just come in here and like, he looks better than Cybert ever did. Like, yeah. He's yeah, got. 
and like Austin Cyber is currently like a very successful NFL kicker. Like, yeah. Well, like the thing about his kicks, like every now and then, some of his kicks hug an upright a little too close for comfort, like his first right. kick game last night. But he get, he kicks those balls fucking high, man. So it's like yeah. I'm not really worried about him getting blocked ever because he gets arc on that shit. Like it's mm. they look incredible. I'm having another Rose Bowl flashback. Damn it! Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Okay. So, do do we have any other thoughts? I mean, I think we all kind of agree that this this is like a season defining. It was certainly a season saving game. Yeah. And I think that we finally, like, I think this could have been that 2017 Kansas State where we figured out how to become kind of unstoppable offensively. Yeah. And because I remember that 2017 season. I remember Ryan and I. You know, distinctly, we had a podcast that we were like, guys, this offense might be like one of the best ever. It's just not quite clicking 100 percent. Yeah. And the talent on that offense was not near as good as this talent. Like if we're being completely honest, like just total talent on the offense. Um, And like maybe now that we've got our identity with Jalen Hurts, like think about how different a quarterback Jalen Hurts is from the last two guys like. Building an offense around him, finding an identity around him, mm-hmm. it would be a really hard thing to do, and maybe it just took a really long time to do. And well, yeah, yeah. And the- part of the thing is that it's, I mean, the challenge with designing an, like an offense that actually fits Jalen is, um, first off, he's like a very serious team guy, so he's going to be game for whatever, um, and he's good enough at most things that everything is going to sort of work. Um, so finding what actually really suits him, like, yeah, that's going to take a while because he's going to make a lot of stuff look like it might work. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think, I think we found something here and I mean, obviously I, TCU is, they're going to be another unique challenge. Like they have guys offensively. I think Max Duggan is capable of playing well. You know, he's not not hopeless. He's a freshman and he makes a lot of stupid mistakes, but he's not hopeless. Jalen Rager's really good. They've got a couple good running backs. Like it's, and then defensively, they're solid. Like it's, they're a well coached team. I understand the history of Lincoln Riley versus Gary Patterson, Mm -hmm. but I, I I don't expect Gary Patterson to come in and just do the same shit and just (laughs) expect it to work differently. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think they're going to be like a. Poor man's Baylor, strong man's West Virginia, something something in between that, probably. All right. For me, yeah. the biggest thing for the TCU game is, like, all right, the defense generated some turnovers against this Baylor team, which Cody Brewer was playing very well in that first half. And, like, Charlie. his his dudes, oh, yeah. char- whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Brewer also had a good first half. Um, no, um, Charlie Brewer was playing pretty good um and his i mean his receivers are making insane catches um like max duggan's a young guy let's see if this team can actually force him to make some mistakes and let's see if that defense can actually capitalize on those mistakes the way they were able to capitalize on brewers at the end of the at the end of the game which by the way i cannot believe we haven't said this yet shout out to nick benito for getting a second chance yeah he caught the damn ball right after (laughs) he dropped the damn ball (laughs) yep Oh man. 
that was, I do love oh, that he things. he drops into coverage like the first time in the game, drops a pick, and then the next play drops into coverage again. Brewer throws it. it right at him again. And he, yeah, he catches the harder one. That's the crazy right. part. Right. He dropped the gimme and catches the difficult pass, but hey, he did it. So. Okay. Yeah. So, what were what were we gonna say? Oh well, I was just gonna kind of kind of move on. Like, right? Is, do we have any TCU thoughts? Like, I mean, we've kind of voiced them. I'm, I'm, I don't think we should beat them. We beat them by twenty. Yeah. Like it should not be a close game. Yeah. And it's gonna be a night game. I think that there's going to be a certain aspect of. I think the the fans are gonna kind of be recommitted to OU because I'll be honest with you. Yeah, the crowd sucked last game. But it was also, like, a really strange atmosphere going in. Like, I was personally, like, just totally down on the team because they were so disappointing against Kansas State. Um, it felt like we hadn't played in a month. And then mm-hmm. we wound up getting up big. Like, it was a really hard atmosphere to kind of sustain. Yeah, it's like it's hard to it's hard to fault people for leaving when we're up, like, three scores. Like, right. yeah. it, you know, it was a it was a late game, you know, and. It's you know if you're up three touchdowns is, at halftime, like right, yeah. I can't team, blame people for leaving. So. Yeah, this team is weird, and we expect to win anyways. So it's like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> yeah. surprised that people left. I do think that there's going to be like a recommittal, like you said, Alex. Um, I I wonder if Lincoln's going to pull the classic Bob Stoops maneuver of calling out the fans to show up and support their team. Um, oh. I, it's Which, kind of already happened. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he's already done something okay, good, similar to that. Okay, good, good. It's the, we're more than a decade now from I do that want to, 2008 Texas Tech game. It's I do the, want the to bring tradition up, like no other. Go ahead. Well, I just want to say it's the anniversary of, I mean, the last time TCU was in Norman, um, there's the Baker Mayfield pregame doink off the guy's <laughs> helmet. I just want to shout out to that. <laughs> And also, Rodney Anderson having like world. one of the best halves I've ever seen from a football player. Both those things happened right. that night. Right. And then well, that was freaked out because also Calcutta that back. happened also. Yeah. Well, that Calcutta. was the game that Gary Patterson just completely shut down Lincoln Riley for an entire half of football. Oh yeah, <laughs> like got him, everyone yeah, was convinced that TCU had OU's number going into the championship That's, game. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's a lot of things that happened that night. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be like that 2017 game or that whole season. That's one of my favorite seasons like ever. For mm-hmm. to, as being an OU fan, like the way it ended was like the worst thing that's ever happened. But <laughs> yeah, like that was so freaking fun. Like going right. through after that Kansas State game. Just going through a gaunt, like the Big 12 was really good that year. There were a lot of good football teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. And just going through and beating the shit out of all of them, that was awesome. Well, and like every single game had like something memorable about it. Like Kansas, you yeah. had like the, the handshake and Bacher's crotch gate. West <laughs> right, Virginia, yep. you had Kyler's like 90 yard run or whatever on the first play. And yep. uh, like oh, the captains, the captains that, bringing yeah. out uh, Baker's jersey. <laughs> Baker's <when he> jersey. <laughs> 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 And then Bruce and Mia getting it like spit on, and they're having like a fight at midfield. Like, there's so much that happened. Like every single game that year is just right. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that that 2017 season is going to be a really special one in all time. Yeah, because I love I loved watching that offense. Like yeah, if they had won the championship that year, that would have been like you can make like a documentary about that team. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we said that about 2015 too. Yeah, yeah, that team sucked. <laughs> like looking back on it, it's wild that the 2015 team made the playoff. Like, yeah. Like, that was- can we re can we rediscuss like the starting offensive line that was on the 2015 team because it's hilarious in retrospect. Right. Like it was redshirt freshman Orlando Brown, Jonathan Alvarez, Ty right. Darlington, Neela Costatati, and true freshman Drew Samia started against Clemson. Like Jesus. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was wild. Like, right. like that was like a we our weakness back then. Yeah, right. They walked so we could run though, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the Josiah St. John season where he was get like a a tell against Texas. Oh, I forgot based on his stance. That. Oh man, uh, Josiah St. John had a good uh, tweet today, or not today, last week, uh, in support of Bill. There was a there was a whole article about beating Bo. I forget yeah. where. But he um, was the first pick in the CFL draft, so he was got that going for him. He was, um, yeah. It's um, man, yeah. So we're going to talk about playoffs. Is that where we're going next? Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the playoff picture. Um, yeah. So I think it's safe to say that we're all kind of kind of like restored in our. I mean, at least I know I'm going to speak for myself. I've been kind of checked out for a couple weeks. And, you know, going into Baylor, I was not excited, but like all of that is restored now and I am ready to kind of look. I haven't watched a single playoff show. I haven't done anything so far, um, but I, I think I'm ready and refreshed to kind of um, get back in on that and excited for Tuesday to be part of the problem again. Oh, um, man, I haven't been part of the problem all year. I got to yeah, change I that. Still re- st- I still refuse. Won't do yeah. it. <laughs> I haven't watched it probably since like 2015, so it's it's a you guys you guys are better than me and Ryan. It's fun. <laughs> uh, I love being part of the problem. Same, same. Uh, so I, let's just kind of talk. Like I think you know it's fairly obvious to me that there are three teams that have kind of separated themselves. Um, I think LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson are all the they're the cream of the crop this year. Sure. And yeah. I mean, I know Clemson had that scare, but. That was that to me. That scare was just the wake up that they needed, and they beat right. the shit out of everybody since then. They, I yeah. saw there's a stat going across ESPN's ticker that said something along the lines of they're the first team since like the 70s to win four straight games by 45 or something along that line. Like they're yeah. just murdering yeah. people. They are thrashing the ACC right now. Trevor yeah. Lawrence is like nobody noticed, but he's like actually amazing again. Yeah. Um, Granted, right. the ACC sucks, but I mean they're still beating. The teams, the bad teams on their schedule, like they should. So, right. Speaking of beating the bad teams on the schedule, like they should, Ohio State for S and P Plus, like mm-hmm. they're the best, best team in the country to me. Right. Yeah. They're the best team in the country. One of the best teams in history. Yeah, they've won every game but like twenty four. Right. Um, I think just in terms of recent S and P Plus numbers, like, and obviously their season isn't finished, and you know those numbers obviously will go down once they. Mm-hmm play two playoff games potentially um but like you're talking a team that is about as good as 2013 fsu right 
Well, yeah, and we'll, I'll be interested to see. They do have Penn State and Michigan coming up, which I know those teams aren't world beaters, but they're probably the two best teams they've played all year. Sure. Right. It'll be interesting to see if they're – I mean, I expect them to kick the shit out of both. They, and they get them both at home. Just, you know. No, they go to Michigan. I thought they got – oh, I'm sorry about that. I thought they had yeah, my no, home. They, so they've got Michigan on the road last game of the year. I mean, I expect them to win comfortably in both. Um, yeah. It's and, Michigan. They beat Michigan every year, so. Yeah, exactly. And then, obviously, LSU, what they're doing offensively. I mean, I know OU statistically the best offense. I mean, I think LSU's offense is better than OU's, to be completely honest. Like, the way they've executed mm-hmm. this year. Um, their passing game has just not been – nobody's been able to slow it down, you know? Yeah, right. They, and they be, just they just have been hotter for – I mean, they've been hot on it the entire season. Yeah, and I keep Whereas, waiting for it to come back down to earth, and it just hasn't yet. Right. Like, I was – like, I'd be, like to be completely honest, I was very skeptical of them, like, the first six or seven weeks, and it just – they keep – they just kept proving me wrong, and now, I mean – I, I'm still skeptical on their defense. I don't think they're as good as they nearly as good as they've been, but they're still beating. I mean, they're dropping fifty and sixty on everyone. So. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, yeah. If I offense, see, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just like their offense is good enough to kind of make up. Like they don't need a dominant defense. Like they, right. they're good they're, enough on defense. That, yeah, they're yeah. in that situation where they're like they've got a top 40 defense easily and their offense mm-hmm. might be the best in the country. Like that's, that's fine. That's what yep. you need. Exactly. Yeah. They are but in they the exact position that we were hoping we would be in this year. Right. Like, yeah. And I, yeah, just didn't, I mean, I didn't see it coming. I, I didn't, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I thought they would be okay, but like that nine and three. Okay. Not 12 and no. Okay. So, right. yeah. well, it's, I don't think absolutely no, person had Joe Burrow breaks the completion percentage record like right. coming to this season right. and his receivers are I mean yeah I mean he just yeah they're his excellent receivers good decent running game I mean I, I don't know it's I just didn't it's just Edward very Hiller. strange Edward Tillaire is a solid player he's a good player he'll get drafted but uh I mean it, it's just very strange to see LSU like tearing people up on offense after dec- decade plus of just, you know, prehistoric plotting offenses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, remember in 2016 when the single season passer rating record was uh, owned by Russell Wilson? Yep. Yeah, that is something we're going to have to look back on like this sec- the second half of this decade and recognize mm-hmm. like this is an absurd era for quarterback play. Like, right. I am fascinated to see where it goes. If this is a blip and like defenses will make an adjustment or, or if yeah. quarterbacks are just this good now, but like, it's incredible. Like that record, that record has now been broken every year. And it is funny because very likely like the last three Heisman trophy winners were previous backups that transferred <laughs> right. because Baker, Kyler, and now, right. Potentially Joe Burrow. So well, well welcome to the portal era, baby. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so, I mean, we all know Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman, um, barring something just hilarious. Like, they would have mm-hmm. to lose out, probably. Um, and that, I mean, they play Arkansas, so that's just impossible. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. Jalen Hurts is probably going to finish second. Am I right? Like, I think that's... 
Yeah. If we had lost last night, yeah, if we had lost last night, I would think he probably probably still gets an invite. But I mean, having that first half he did, and then combining that with a second loss, I think he would have played himself into third, or maybe not even getting an invite. But I mean, the stats he's going to have accumulated, assuming we play in the Big Twelve title, like he's going to be close to four thousand yards passing. And like fifteen hundred yards rushing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, gonna be and then yeah, it's gonna be a ridiculous number. Um, he, the numbers he's putting up this year are hilarious. Like it's it's insane. And with a passer rating that's higher than anyone's ever put up, you know, he's at two hundred nine point one. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, like it's. I mean, the Heisman is kind of a dumb award, and it's done incorrectly. But I still think it's cool to win you know sure absolutely wish our guy could win it but you know shouts to i mean joe burrow's done his thing like every week like he was unbelievable against alabama and he makes plays when they have to be made which is just unreal it's also Um, really annoying because he's like personally likable like yeah he seems like a cool guy yep he's a cool guy yeah um okay let's uh Let's get back to the playoff a little bit. So we've got those three those three teams that we kind of think set the standard for the country. After that, it gets really interesting really quickly. Um, so right now, Georgia's at number four. Alabama's at number five. Obviously, the Tua Tagovailoa news changes things quite a bit. And then we've got Oregon, Utah, six and seven. Those two, those two teams are still one-loss teams. And then Minnesota lost this weekend. They're out of the way. Penn State looked less than impressive this weekend. I think OU jumps both of those teams pretty easily. Do you think we'll jump either of the Pac-12 teams who both looked impressive this weekend? I doubt it. Um, no, I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I well, think I, I, I can't even. I wouldn't even be that upset about it. I mean, same. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can still see why they would like hold. Yes, it's a good win, huge comeback. But we were also down. I mean, they could hold the twenty-five point hole against mm-hmm. us, and I yeah. couldn't even complain about much about it. But the good thing about the Pac-12 teams is they will knock one of them will knock the other out. So what you hope at this point is that maybe one of them loses and then goes Knocks on to win the, the yeah, yeah then goes on to win the championship game. I mean, they're right. going to need help. It, it's not as clear cut as it was the last few years, but um, I so think. Two, do any yeah, of you guys that we could still get in? Like, do you think that we, if we look impressive for the rest of the year, win out, win our conference, we'll probably, assuming Baylor probably is the team that meets us there and is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Baylor team? has to lose to Kansas to not be there. So right, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, assuming Baylor beats Texas, which, you know, it's probably not a safe assumption, but let's say they do, they're only two losses potentially to Oklahoma. Um, that's two really quality wins, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think OU could jump the Pac-12 teams by the end? I think, if, I think I, OU could jump Utah, which is yes. it's shitty to say, but just on the name recognition. Like, I think Utah's a better team than Oregon, but... You know, if, if Utah is the one loss team, I think, you know, their loss is pretty similar. Um, you can, right. you, ours is probably a better loss than losing to USC. But um, I think just on the name alone, you know, we would have more quality wins. They would just have the Oregon win. 
If it's right. Oregon, I think they're a bigger name. They have the quality loss factor of losing to an SEC team and all that on a neutral site in the first game. Um, the average SEC team. Right. right. Well, and I think the trouble with the Oregon situation is that um, I think part of with Oregon, it's like, you know, in order to weigh them down, you really want Auburn to look as bad as possible. Um, and at the same time, you know, to really disqualify Alabama, um, you actually want them to play Alabama pretty close. Um, so it's or difficult. Beat Alabama. Or beat Alabama, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to imagine a situation in which OU jumps Alabama and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Unless they both lose twice. Right. Yeah. I, Unless they both lose twice. I, Whereas yeah, I, Utah potentially uh, name recognition. Like the fact that losing to USC is like not a great loss. Um, yeah, it's. I think that's a lot more possible. Well, okay. So here's what I'll say: is that it is likely that the winner of the Pac-12 title, the only ranked win they will have on the season is in the Pac-12 title game. Like neither of those teams will have a ranked win other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Pac-12 sucks. Like, it's a terrible conference this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think personally, you know, being an OU fan and kind of seeing, like, we've gotten the benefit of the doubt pretty much every year, mm-hmm. I think we would get in over either one of those teams. I really do. And, I mean, it might not be fair, but, like, go through Oregon's schedule and find me a good win. Like, yeah, they're – I mean, Washington was their best one, and Washington's very average this year. So, yeah. like, wh- who have they beaten? Like, I don't know, man. I think, you know, it's possible that USC, if they beat UCLA um, that, this Saturday, they get back in the rankings as a four-loss team. I don't know, but like, that's the kind of thing we're kind of trying to hold up here, and I just don't see how that is a thing. And it's not like Oregon's looked impressive every week, like. They almost lost to Washington. They almost lost to Washington State. Like, 21-6 for Stanford, 17-7 against Cal. Like, there's a lot of not impressive performances. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think – I don't know. I think we would get in over the over the Pac-12 teams. As I, it, I think we're a better team. I think the committee knows that. And the committee is always – they've kind of gone with a sense of, you know – picking who they think is the best and then trying to justify it. I think that's always been their kind yeah. of game. And, right. and like, if we talk about like a bias against Pac-12 teams, we're not exactly like re like treading new territory. Like that has been like the modus operandi, like the op, like the operating assumption of uh, like an understanding of college football media for the past like 40 years is that nobody stays up to watch the Pac-12 games. Yeah. USC is the only team that, gets respect from anybody on the west coast yeah the um, for, i mean i hate to say it but like style points are going to matter like if ou keep squeaks out a bunch of wins and oregon keeps blowing people out right yeah. that, that that will matter but if ou you know turns that table like we mentioned earlier and you know starts winning by multiple touchdowns a game and then beats baylor soundly maybe by 14 or something in the big 12 title I mean, I could def- definitely see them leapfrogging the Pac-12 champion. And absolutely, if it's Utah, I think I don't even know if they'd have to, you know, resound like with the resounding victory over Baylor. I think they could just beat Baylor and leave mm-hmm. Utah. 
But um, I mean, I hate I hate it for Tua that Tua got hurt. But it is a I mean, it 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 feels kind of dirty to say it, but it is a boost for OU because Alabama will no longer be looked at in the same way as from a what um, height they can achieve, what their potential is. Right. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone in the state of Alabama thinks that their current backup now starter is the long-term guy. I think no. they're looking at Talia or Bryce Young as a freshman to come in and win that job. So they, they probably have a Jacob Coker-esque level talent now, and their defense is not what it was in 2015. So, no, they don't play that good of teams on their schedule. I mean, Auburn is – they have a really good defense and a really average offense. So that, that game could be fun, but mm-hmm. it still feels – I mean – well, yeah. with a Jacob Coker level of top quarterback, that defense might actually really control that game. So that <laughs> that is a decent upset chance. But mm-hmm. anyway, it, it, OU is going to need a lot of help. But I do think there's a okay chance that it could work out. But like I said at the beginning of this ramble, style points will matter. So you really, I mean, if they can take that next step and start beating the beating a TCU by you know fourteen or twenty one, beating. OSU on the road by double digits, that would go a long way because OSU is probably going to be ranked or a decent chance they're going to be ranked. Yeah, Yeah, I know, but I mean, at the the last game, so they continue to win this next weekend because who do they play this weekend, Alex? Do you know? Yeah, at West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. Yeah, so they should win that. So, I mean, uh, (laughs) that would be a boost. That would be um, another ranked win and then another potential ranked win over the over Baylor in the Big 12 title, so um, yeah, they would have the yeah. they'd have a better resume. Yeah, I think right. Alabama's done, um, which sucks to say. Without without Tua, like the the committee has an excuse to leave them out. Their their only chance is like what a twenty five point win against Auburn or something. But then your quality win is uh, that's a four loss team, and then you have another win against A and M, who's a however many lost team, four or five. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they're done, which is it honestly upsets me because I really wanted the committee to have to make a decision on Alabama. Like I want Alabama to be one loss in full strength and the committee decide to value conference championships or quality wins or something like that. But now they kind of like have this out and the decision is essentially made for them to finally leave Alabama out of the playoff. Um, so that's mm-hmm. annoying to me. But I think they're done. I think the and Georgia, obviously, if Georgia wins the SEC championship, then that all this is nothing. Like they're in, LSU's still in, and right. that's your four. That's that's the wrench that gets thrown into everything. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's not impossible. I think LSU probably has too much firepower for Georgia, but Georgia's right. played well in the in the SEC title game the last couple of years. Um, yeah, and if that happens, then I just kind of shrug my shoulders year. and say, yeah. "Don't lose to K State," and then he won't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Yeah. I and then not. we get to go beat this new Jacob Coker in the Sugar Bowl. So exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Jacob Coker redux. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if I were betting, if I, I would bet on OU making the playoff if they went out, I think it's good. I think things will work out in their favor because it just, it seemingly always happens. And it's yeah, history not favors that it. much. Like, 
LSU needs to win. You know, I don't. I think I don't think you can put Alabama in over a Big Twelve champ because Alabama without Tua with one loss, even if they beat Auburn, like I don't think you can put Alabama in. The only time they've gotten put in in that scenario, they were being compared to a two-loss team. Ohio State had two losses that year, mm-hmm. so it was completely justifiable to put Alabama in. Putting Alabama in over a one-loss conference champ with arguably a better resume, like that's that's shaky, right? Um, so I, I don't think that would be a problem. Now, I think if, if Oregon or Utah beats the shit out of the other in the Pac-12 title, that might yeah. impact it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We need that game to be like six to three, and it just be a horrible they, game. No one ever wants to watch again. Right. They both, yeah. That's I think that's a decent chance because they both have pretty good defenses and like average offenses. So I think there's a yeah. solid chance of it just being a slugfest of a, like a fourteen to ten sort of deal. Yeah. No. Ideally, like the perfect scenario is that Oregon goes down to Tempe and loses this weekend, and then beats. Mm-hmm. Utah and the title like that's perfect yep, like absolutely. give me that all day and then and then OU just kind of slides in perfectly and you know we get to go play LSU in the first round which honestly if I had to pick a team to play it would be LSU that's the team I would rather play than Ohio State or Clemson yeah don't want Ohio State Ohio State yeah I think Ohio State's a bust saw this year I could be wrong but I haven't seen anything to make Clemson, me second guess that right. yet I think Clemson can hang with it, man. I think Clemson's really good. I think LSU's the third best team in the country right now, to be honest. And I mm-hmm. think that so I would that would be perfect for me. Go play, go play LSU in the first round. You know, if you lose, it's it's like last year. It's a no lose situation. You lost to a team that everybody thinks is number one. Like that's fine. You can handle that. You can live with that. It would suck to be um, the only team that's like 0-4 in the playoff, though. But I, yeah, so At some point, does the narrative shift to, like, stop letting Oklahoma in? They're just going to lose yeah, the first I mean, game every year. Yeah, I mean, it already feels true. like it's there. I mean, I think it's a possibility, but, like, all the years Oklahoma's lost, they weren't the worst loss in the first round. Right. That's, yeah. that's a good point. No, and, like, if that's the case, then don't give the committee a reason to leave you out. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Don't lose to fucking Kansas State next year. Or get, run, run the fucking table and it, make yourself to where you can't get left out. Like that's that's how it goes. Quick, quick well, question: I, is I, is the playoff is is the Sugar Bowl a destination for the playoff this year? Like, well, I don't think, think so. I believe it's the Peach it's the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it is the title. The Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, I believe. Oh, God. Yeah, LSU yeah, destined to play in the title. Then that's just going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, at least if that in that case you wouldn't have to play LSU in New Orleans. Like it would be, I think that's the best scenario. So OU gets to play LSU, and then we can kind of hopefully get in a shootout, and we'll see from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all we need is one playoff win, guys. If we get yep. one goddamn playoff win, I'm perfectly content with this year. Like I wasn't expecting. Yeah. So I well, and it would quiet all. Just from a purely like um, national perspective, it would just quiet all the shit talk, like all the all the commentators and everything that just questions pretty much everything about. Like LSU is basically playing exactly the like the brand of football that OU plays. Yeah, they get so much more national uh, love 
and respect just because of the like the conference that they're in. If OU could finally get that step, I mean, it wouldn't all go away, but it'd be a big part of it, you know, of yeah. actually winning on that stage. Right. Yeah. Thinking about how much, you know, if OU somehow were to get a playoff win, OU's got a playoff win. They've got the fact that they've made the playoff the third most times out of anybody in college football. Mm-hmm. And they've won five straight Big 12 championships. Um, their defense is vastly improved. Like, that's so... Two straight bad. number one picks in the draft, two, two Heismans. Yeah. Turn Alabama's backup into the probably the Heisman runner-up. I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you're looking at 2020, a team that is probably the best skill team in the nation. Yeah, yeah they're up there. Sure. They're up there for sure. So... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm back in. I'm invested. This game was, was what I needed to kind of get back into it. Yeah. I, like, I swear, I, seriously, I was, I pretended football did not exist for like, <laughs> like it was, I was not in a good place. But I, I've been restored, and uh, I'm back. Texas also lost. I just want to say that. Just, yeah, they, they in, a, the in, a, in such a beautiful way. <laughs> Like, they should have gotten the ball back and a chance to go down and win the game, but they jumped offsides on a Iowa State field goal to let them continue their drive and make their game-winning field goal closer and also <laughs> as time expired. Uh, I didn't yep. see the, I actually Just, didn't see it to see the end, so that, that's yeah, nice to hear that. Yeah, that is, that is how it happened. Yeah. All yeah, right. They need to go to Baylor and lose this week so they can be 7-5. Yes. Seven, five. yes. That'd be great. Yeah, so, that would be beautiful. Now we're over an hour, um, so we won't dwell on this too long. But last night, um, after uh, Jalen fumbled the ball on the goal line, um, I made the declaration that this podcast was now going to be about Pokemon because football hurt too much. Yeah. Um, and we're actually going to sort of see if we can't, uh, because we think this this would be fun. Um, and I feel like it's a reward, a bit of a catharsis for everyone who got to sit through that. Um, we're we're gonna do we're gonna try and explain Pokemon to Alex. Um, so I guess I guess Alex, we st- tell us what you know. Yeah, let's, let's I guess that's, what, that's where we gotta start. Where's first. our baseline? All right, tell us about Pokemon. So I I'm familiar with the uh, I believe the the You've got to catch them all, is what I've I've heard. Mm. Right. That is True. the end goal. That is the, the for some, for some. tagline. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I can I can confidently say in like the hundreds of times I've played through a Pokemon game, I have never once actually tried to catch them all. No, I have gotten not particularly close, um, but I have caught a lot of them. There are a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll start with a little bit of history. Um, so the Pokemon franchise began in 1996 with the release in Japan of Pocket Monsters Red and Green, mm-hmm. which um, were games for the Nintendo Game Boy. Yeah, the, the, uh, the creator was actually a bug enthusiast, and... He kind of his inspiration or like the original thought about how 
Pokemon came to be is he just kind of imagined bugs crawling like between Game Boys and being able to like uh, trade bugs or whatever. So he, that was kind of like the original thought, and obviously it spread from there. But um, right. his original thought was, "What if these bugs could beat my ass? Yeah. What if I? <laughs> what if I could kill? It would look like a bee drill. Yeah. What if right. I could uh, play another person's bug?" Beat it up, and then he has to give me money. That was that was the. Uh, <laughs> right. So, Pokemon in Japan, red and green, is released in America as Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, there's two colors because there's two versions of the game, and this was the genius thing that Nintendo came up with, which is well, what if you made two versions and they had different types of Pokemon in each, so that you mm-hmm. had to trade with your friends, and that like. Or buy the other. Or version. you had to buy two games. <laughs> or you had to yeah. buy the game which, twice. Which is yeah. what uh, I was doing today. I was downloading uh, Pokemon Shield, which is the new version, one of the two new versions on the Nintendo Switch. I haven't played this the eighth generation of Pokemon. I haven't played. I skipped one for sure. Um, I think I played the sixth generation, and I just like the games get very repetitive and they're all the same and all this. I skipped for a while. Um, but I was going to download, and the games are you know sixty dollars, like what a game. Or fifty nine nine nine, like what games are, oh, but yeah. yeah, you can download both versions of Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield for the steal of one hundred nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah, which mm. the astute among us will note is actually more expensive than purchasing them separately, because if you because <laughs> two fifty nine ninety nine games is one hundred nineteen dollars and ninety eight cents. You got scammed, Sam. <laughs> you got you get the no. I didn't get scammed. I only bought the one because I'm, okay. a, I'm a good consumer. But um, the brutal. the kids the kids with their parents' credit cards. Those parents are the ones getting scammed. Right, right. Um, so, uh, yeah. So Pokemon Red and Blue release in America. It's a sensation, uh, a worldwide sensation. It spreads across so much media. There's the TV show. There are comic books, there are spin-off games, and there is the trading card game, which Nathan, I believe, knows a little bit about. Yeah, I was very much into that uh, through uh, 5th, 6th grade. I don't remember quite how old I was, but yes, that was a big part of my early childhood. Um, I actually played it competitively. (laughs) So hell like, yeah, I went yeah. to like city championships, state championships. I got runner up in like 2003 or something in the state of Oklahoma for my age class. So yeah, I've I can get this could be like a very deep cut. Uh, right. Check out his two four seven profile on Pokemon right, trading right. card yeah, game. Dude, I, yeah, I, I'm compl- do, do, do you have like an an old Pokemon huddle like? Yeah. Well, um, so okay, I I mean we can I'm I'm completely serious whenever I can really get into this. Uh, like oh, yeah. there were. I was on online discussion forums. Mm-hmm. I uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and save whatever little credibility, like whatever little face I have here. But um, like I used to play the game online, like uh, against people around the world, just like to tr- like to uh, right. practice. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I there was a no, lot. Going on. I'm actually surprised my parents let me do it because I was really <laughs> young and I was just playing right. random people on the internet, but. Yeah, right. I'm still Nathan, here. It's, so it's fine. Alex and I did a whole podcast about um, how Quidditch, Quidditch is a bad sport. Mm-hmm. Yep, like, I've, I've heard it's it. okay to be a nerd. Um, oh, I'm not. We, I'm not afraid of being a nerd. I'm trying to like limit the like 
just the sheer depth that I could go into this because <laughs> it's all um, retained. Yeah. Uh, so, um, as far as like my experience with Pokemon, I was really into Pokemon as a kid, but I didn't actually own any of the games. Um, the first Pokemon game I bought was actually Pokemon White in twenty. That was I really recent. That was like. 2011 yeah, that was, or something like that. Yeah, I think it came out in 2011. I bought it in like spring of 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was actually the first Pokemon game I played all the way through. Um, but uh, the thing about Pokemon is that it is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. So you don't have to that. play the games uh, to be deeply involved in it. And as a child, I was very into... I, I never really played the trading card game because it's kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, And I did like... So the the thing about that is like at that point you need to get two children to understand these rules, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely had trading cards and I did collect um, them and stuff. Yeah, I collected them, um, and I definitely watched the show. Uh, and I yeah. distinctly I distinctly remember that the novelization of the first movie was the first chapter book I ever read. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I remember dragging my dad to like Pokemon uh, Millennium, like the second movie. Uh, where they handed out the ancient Mew card, and my dad, like, I remember my dad uh, falling asleep in the movie, uh, <laughs> and like me being enthralled with, you know, whatever was happening on screen. And I looked over at my dad; he's snoring. Like, that's a image that's burned in my head. But um, I'm trying to think of anything, if there's anything else juicy to share about my uh, foray into this, I. I'm sure if I don't, I'm sure if I did some like sleuthing, I could find like my old. Uh, I mean, because whenever I played, like there was, I don't know what it's called now, but back in the day, back in, like early 2000s, whenever I was doing this, it was called Pokemon Organized Play or Pop, and I had I was like had like an actual official ranking like worldwide. Oh yeah, uh, and so Damn, I'm curious son. if I could find it because I'm curious. I don't. I mean, it changed like based on the events that you did, mm-hmm. so. I don't know where I wound up, but I know at least at some points I was like early on before there was a lot of act, like a lot of data uh, that I was relatively highly ranked. So I wonder if I could find it. But anyway, I uh, my my I I was definitely hot and heavy with it early on. The earliest Pokemon movies are definitely the best ones. Uh, Pokemon the first movie, Pokemon the movie two thousand, Pokemon three the movie, yeah. all. Just like actually good movies, um, probably not if I went and watched them now. But <laughs> my nostalgia, <laughs> my nostalgia tells me, hey, those were actually good movies. Did y'all um, see? The uh, crazy... oh, sorry. I thought you, I thought you were done. I, I was just going to ask if you saw Detective Pikachu, but you can keep. Going. I haven't yet. I actually never went to go see Detective. I thought it was. No. I, could, I couldn't figure out. I couldn't find anybody to go with me. So. I thought it was kind of good, actually. <laughs> I was like it was cheesy. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's. Yeah, like it. Ryan Reynolds is pretty funny. Like it's it's not like a good movie in like a classical sense, but it's a good movie for like you know uh, nostalgia and like it's endearing in some ways. And there's a few good one-liners. It, it's a it's a lazy Sunday like to stream for you know for a couple hours kind of deal. But uh, right, yeah. I went um, I went to ask Alex a question. Alex, you still there? Have you tuned out yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. So okay, who, do you do you, you know who the main character of Pokemon is, right? What Pikachu? Uh, the main pr- human, the main human. Uh, is that Ash? Yeah, Ash Ketchum. Yeah, okay. So he yeah. he is the main ten year old in the show, and so you would assume like 
if the show's about this guy, like he's probably pretty badass, right? Wouldn't you think so? <laughs> like you assume this he's is, like super super good and great at Pokemon at fighting these little monsters. Yeah. So he he starts his journey um, in the Kanto region back in I'm not sure when the anime first came out in like 1998, but like I said, um, 97. The, 97. So he starts his journey trying to win, become the Pokemon master and beat everybody. And he is unsuccessful in his first try in the Kanto region because he's 10 years old. And Pikachu is actually not a very good Pokemon. But, so like I said, we're on the 8th generation of Pokemon now in the 2019th year of our Lord and Savior, Pikachu. And Ash has finally won the Pokemon League. After yeah, traveling true. across eight different regions over the court and staying ten years old for the past twenty-two years, he has he's finally still- become the best Pokemoner in the world. Yeah, he's, he's still, still ten. ten. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He's always like ten. He, just he cannot. 10. He can never grow old. And for and it was really depressing when he when he it seemed like he could never win because it kind of seemed like he was maybe trapped in hell. Yeah, he's um, like purgatory. He just keeps right. losing. I can, I, I can never have... win. I can never grow old. Well, it's his own damn fault because he never evolves his Pokemon. They just like stay like the basic form forever. And so, I mean, yeah, he's, he gets too emotionally attached. Yeah. He's like, he's like he a bad a... NFL or NBA GM that like loves the players he drafted and yeah. refuses to cash them in for like better assets. Yeah, he needs like, to Pikachu, get some more saving in him. He needs to be right. a little bit more Pikachu, Pikachu is like Dirk Nowitzki. Um. Okay. That's, so Pikachu is like JJ Barea, and he that's, could. That's actually he could fair. Ca- yeah. He could cast Pikachu in to get a better version of JJ Barea, but he refuses to. Like Pikachu is not the final form. He could be bigger and stronger if Ash would evolve him, because that's like <laughs> the whole point of Pokemon. But he refu- uh, he he wants to keep him as this cute little Pikachu that he's had right. forever. We evolve, should explain the evolved oh, form real quick. So I have like. Some I I kind of I watched the first movie, um, and I I used to watch the TV show like, you know maybe once a month or something. So I have mm-hmm. like a general idea. Um, can you just explain evolving like? Because I'm pretty right. sure the the evolved version of Pikachu is what like Raichu or some shit. That's yeah, correct. he got yeah, it. So in yeah. Use a thunderstone to you evolve. Yeah. Yeah. So right. some some Pokemon, once you get stronger, once they work on their game, getting any time fitness <laughs> in the off season, they just like naturally evolve right. and they become a better form. Some right. Pokemon, you hear like, oh man, uh, Charmander gained fifteen pounds of muscle. He's a Charmeleon right. now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, other, oh, others yeah. like Pikachu, you have to have specific stones to give them, or in the games, like you have to trade a pokemon to your friend and, and during the process of him trading over like he's got to get some new scenery you know it's like whenever yeah. you trade former number one picks to like yeah. you guys just swap you know then, number former number one picks and then some and of a new them, scenery like, they they evolve then some right. of them it's like they have to be like really happy and that's that's where it's right. it's kind of weird it's like you have to give them like take them to the salon or whatever it's, right. that, that's where and I, they're I, actually <laughs> there are some there are some yeah, so those are the ones that aren't going to win any ships, though. <laughs> they don't gotta fuck with those. Yeah, let's back up. Let's talk about evolution. So when we talk about Pokemon evolution, that is probably a mistranslation of the Japanese that is just sort of stuck because what's really happening is a metamorphosis, right? Transformation. Yeah. A transformation. Um, and so you got these Pokemon, and they evolve. Um, 
usually most Pokemon have an evolution. Some actually don't. Um, and the most common way is like uh, Sam was explaining is by leveling up. Like as they get experience, eventually they hit a certain level and then they evolve. There are other Pokemon that um, need, like with Pikachu, there are items. Sometimes if you like touch a Pikachu with an item called a Thunderstone, it becomes a Raichu. Uh, And there's, and then, you know, there are Pokemon that, like, they evolve to their second form by leveling up, and then their third form, you have to trade them, or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, Machoke's um, a champ, that's how you do it, yeah. Right. Um, there's some really <laughs> wacky ways to evolve Pokemon now. Uh, there's a Pokemon um, that is a squid, it's called Inkay, and you have to hold your Nintendo DS upside down while it's leveling up, and then it will evolve into yeah. Malamar. Which is a squid that is upside that down. Yeah, this is beyond my expertise. We've, right. We've, um, we've so yeah, has, has technology come too far? <laughs> right. <laughs> Ask um, so evolution is one of the big one, big mechanics of Pokemon. Um, there's also type. Let's talk about. Let's explain Pokemon types to Alex. Well, yes, yeah, so pretty... you, see, you see, yeah, you see. There's a lot of them now. Um, it started off there pretty basic. You know, like you have your water, your grass, your fire. Those are every game you get. You get to choose between three Pokemon to start with, and those are always you get a water. You get to choose between water, grass, and fire, and you pick which one's the cutest or whichever one will help you down the road the most. And then there's other things like fighting and flying and poison and electric and so many different types now. And every everyone has multiple things that they're strong against and also multiple things that they're weak yeah. against. It's like a big right. rock, paper, scissors game. Like everything right. can beat something else. So right. Was, so yeah. at the in generation one, the first this is Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow, the games. The types were normal, fighting, flying, poison, ground, rock, bug, ghost, fire, water, grass, electric, psychic, ice, and dragon. The funny thing about the original, like the OG generation, is like Dragon was supposed to be like the best type, but it wasn't. Psychic right. was the best type. Because right. Dragon had a huge Achilles heel and it was ice. And Psychic was like not weak to anything. Right. So, so Psychic in the first generation of games had a huge basically it was really poorly designed. And yeah. the second a lot of the changes made in the second generation were basically like we gotta make psychic worse. If we get into the lexicon of the early like if you if you start getting into like they it was like broken basically like psychic beat everything. And then um there's like classifications. So if you if you have on a general uh strength chart basically they're like Really bad ones, like kind of good ones, really good ones. Kind of, if you go along the scale, like the best one. I mean, if you've seen the original movie, Mewtwo is in that one. Mewtwo is the best Pokemon in the original generation, even though he's kind of a glitch. But, uh, I mean, he was psychic and basically he was unbeatable, especially if you knew what you're doing. Right. So, basically. Also, a fun like, fact about Mewtwo he's the same size as Zion Williamson. <laughs> Wait, is he 6'8? Yeah, he's like six eight two eighty five. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So Mewtwo is obviously the best Pokemon. Um, in, and what happens? Two, the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You're well, gonna you're gonna explain scene, it. Mewtwo obviously gets banned, but 
But the problem is that like then the next best Pokemon is another psychic type, Alakazam. Exactly. Um, and so there were there were like two really big problems with Psychic. Uh, so Psychic's weaknesses in Gen One were Bug and Ghost. But yeah, but the thing was like Ghost. The, the only viable ghost option was Gengar, and Gengar was part poison. So right, he was which weak psychic, psychic is strong against. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there just weren't any good bug Pokemon. Um, yeah. And I actually think there might have been a glitch in which Ghost wasn't even strong against Psychic in the first yeah, game. I don't remember. It was actually. it was a mess. Um, and then the other thing about that was that so Pokemon also have stats. They have their Hit points, which is their health. Oh, man. This is another topic I can get into. Go ahead. Their attack (laughs) stat. Their defense stat. In Gen 1, they had a stat called Special. And then their Speed. Um, And so... Psychic Pokemon usually had a really high Special. And Special was both your attack for quote-unquote special moves and your defense against quote-unquote special moves. So, like, Alakazam had a really high special, which means that it was both, like, really strong and could, like, take big hits. Uh, So Gen 2, which is Pokemon Gold, Silver, and Crystal, uh, introduces Dark-type and Steel-type. And Dark-type is immune to Psychic. Uh, Yeah, Dark-type is... Literally, basically, they they said psychic is too good. We have to have a obvious counter to that. Right. So that's what that's what that's the whole purpose of dark type was to say. And then Tyranitar, you are now going to block psychic, basically. So and then Steel type resists psychic, and then they also split special into special attack and special defense. Right. Um, And the other thing, like uh, as you start getting into those advanced, this is almost too advanced, but. If you're talking about competitive battling um, in those advanced generations, like you started getting into uh, gold and silver and into ruby and sapphire, you you introduced the concept of EV training, where you could the way you train your Pokemon um, can boost certain stats, and then you have uh, like uh, you have natures. There's this concept of a nature, a nature. Yeah. So yeah, Pokemon competitive Pokemon training and battling is it's like, really complicated. It's like um, fine tuning a car. You can like get things right. really, really specific to the point that if you hit something with a a move, you know exactly how much damage it's going to do. To the point that you can, it's like chess almost, and you know how much something's going to damage something. So you'd be able to like plan ahead and say, oh, if I can hit him with this once that I know I'll knock it out with the other move. And it's and all my information is like 15 years out of date, right. but that's no, how... but it, yeah, it, it generally holds true. Yeah. Um, so, and then, um, you know, there, there are some other changes that happen. I'm, we're, I'm going to condense this down a little bit to get to what I think should be our ultimate project here. Um, this could but... be a whole, this could be a whole side podcast, but yeah, right. Um, so, uh, Generation 3, which is Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, um, which I think for a lot of people our age are probably, like, maybe the best ones. Yeah. Um, My favorite like, was always Gen 2, but I think it, right, I think right. those first three are kind of the gold standards. Right. So, it's just... Um, so, Gen, yeah. Gen 3 introduces Pokemon abilities, which are just, like, special. Like, each Pokemon now has, like, an individual quirk that, like, affects their stats or what happens in battle 
Um, generation four introduces so Pokemon have moves in addition to like their type. Each Pokemon knows four moves, and those moves also have a type. Uh, and in a, prior to Generation Four, which was Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, um, the type of the move determined whether it was physical or special. And in Generation Four, they said they made it so that each move, regardless of type, is physical or special based on like what kind of move it is. Yeah. So previously, like you might have a move that's like Fire Punch, and it's special because it's fire. And then in Generation Four, it's like, well, it's a punch, so it's physical. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's getting really into semantics. Yeah, but right. it changed I, a lot about how you do things. Uh, right. Anyway. And then uh, no real major changes in Generation Five. Generation Six adds Fairy type, which is uh, basically a counter to Dragon, which had sort of become the be all and all type by then. Um, and that was the last major change um, was the addition of Fairy type. So there's. Yeah, I think that's 17 types now. Um, or 18, I think. And it um, sounds complicated just like talking about it. but Yeah, it is complicated. <laughs> um, but yeah. So here's my thought. is I think we should try and find Alex his favorite Pokemon. That's um, not Pikachu. That's, oh, of course not. No Whose favorite, Who's favorite Pokemon could possibly be Pikachu? That dumbass 10-year-old that spent 22 years trying to win. That's who. Right. Never give up on your dreams, kids. Okay, so... Let's, I think, so the other thing is that Pokemon aren't necessarily just one type. Pokemon can have two different typings. Um, so, like, um, what's a good example? So, my favorite Pokemon is Togekiss, and Togekiss is fairy flying. And it's a big egg bird. I love that stupid egg bird. Um, so, what I, I think we should come up with. Um, Let's come up with what sort of Pokemon Alex would like. So, in terms of like the stats, like I th I'm thinking it's probably got to be fast, right? Of course, speed is always the most important thing. Okay, so we need a Pokemon with high speed. Um, that actually is really true in Pokemon <laughs> because a Pokemon's speed determines um, which Pokemon gets to do its attack first. Mm -hmm. um, so speed is actually really important. You've really hit on a critical uh, aspect of Pokemon just naturally. Um, I think you're an instinctively incredible trainer. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So we, we want a fast Pokemon. Do you want it to be, um, do you want it to be like defensive or offensive? Uh, I, you know, personally never been big into the defense. I've never... <laughs> Really right, okay. So offensive sounds good. Okay. And so now do you want it to be physical or special? Um, so physical attacks are like punches and kicks and tackles. And special attack is like water Projectiles. Jets. Yeah, water jets and laser beams and psychic powers. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the special. Okay. I feel mm. like I I feel like I undersold physical attacks. <laughs> it's like punches and kicks or psychic. Well, yeah, physical. I mean, it's literally like tangible things. Like you're actually connecting with the thing instead of throwing stuff at it that are like right, exactly. elements. So, right. but no, yeah, that makes sense. Ranged attacks. You know, we've all seen Alex play basketball. I'm assuming <laughs> every person listening to this podcast has seen Alex play basketball. Um, you know, he's a sniper. We get it. 
all right, so we're talking about a fast Pokemon with high special attack. Now let's um, give me the primary typing you're looking for in a Pokemon. I'll list them out. We can sort of we can go through this, um, you know, however is necessary. But your choices are normal, fighting, flying, poison, ground, rock, bug, ghost, steel, fire, water, grass, electric, psychic, ice, dragon, dark, and fairy. Of the, did any of those stand out to you? Uh, I mean, you did talk about how psychic was the best earlier. Okay. Yeah. Early on, for sure. Gen All one. right. I mean, so you you think yeah. in primary type psychic? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Go with psychic. Is the I mean, primary. if we're one a fast Pokemon with high special, that's psychic. I mean, it's hard to beat Alakazam. It's hard to yeah, beat. Yeah, I was Alakazam. literally going to say Alakazam. Right. But let's let's see. Um, is if there's a secondary typing he's maybe interested in. Um, so that, do you need to hear the list again or did you have like a second favorite? Um, yeah, hit me with the list one more time. Okay. Normal, fighting, flying, poison, ground, rock, bug, ghost, steel, fire, water, grass, electric, psychic, ice, dragon, dark, fairy i mean dragon sounds kind of cool okay dragon is very cool yeah all right Mm, so fast dragons (laughs) right alex's favorite pokemon is ultra necrozma (laughs) that's a thing alex doesn't understand no i would while, while you guys are trying to figure that out i would like to give a pitch for who i think alex might be as a pokemon okay and so um (laughs) These typings are both, they're, they're very cool. Um, the, the things that Alex, you know, valued, special attack, obviously, you know, we know he's, he's a great quarterback in flag football. He's uh, great from range on the basketball court, so that's why we went with the special attack. And so while, you know, we agree that speed is a great thing to have for a Pokemon, um, no offense to my dear friend Alex, he's not the speediest guy. Um, that there is. And I think Alex would admit that, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So I have a Pokemon here who is Electric Steel typing, which is very cool, very great. Their ability is Sturdy. So I would say that is... that Alex can take some hits. Um, I've seen a lot of people run into him on the basketball court. And then their other ability is called Magnet Pull, which Alex does that with his, you know... He, he draws the defense towards him with his great three-point shots and all that stuff. So I would say that Alex is a Magnezone, who's a very good Pokemon, um, Electric Steel, like I said, high special attack. Um, Alex, if you want to look up a Magnezone, it looks cool. It's kind of like a, a robot with magnets all over it and <laughs> it an should, antenna on top. It should be mentioned that Magnezone was not an original Pokemon. It was a later edition. So right. initially, Magnezone was... Uh, it was just Magneton and Ma- or Magnemite and uh, Magneton, right. and then they added. Right, uh, and it's important. Yeah, so it's Mag- the evolution of a couple OGs. Yeah. That's true, yeah. So it's like a unicorn. Um, mm-hmm. They started doing that whenever they started running out of ideas. It's like, oh, let's just evolve 
right. some of the early Let's Pokemon. Take the then. old ones, yeah. yeah. Give them a third evolution or something. I I remember Magneton a little bit, like I've yeah. seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically just Magnemite stuck together. So <laughs> also, also Magneton. There's three of them. Alex's basketball game. Three. Oh, there you go. Maybe Same. that's right. That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe maybe like, Alex maybe Alex is a fan of the so, Magnemite line. I don't know. How how are you feeling about that? What do you I think like of it. that electric steel type? I like it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. Electric steel sounds cool. Right. So now of yeah, well, I was gonna say of Pokemon that are psychic type and dragon type, you have um three choices, essentially, that are yeah. both types. You have, like I said, Ultra Necrozma, which um, is a terrifying super Pokemon. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I don't even know what that is. That's a later I generation. Also do not. Well, um, so Necrozma, Necrozma was a Pokemon in Gen Seven, and then Ultra yeah. Necrozma is a special form of it that was added in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Yeah, I haven't played that. So um, it is extremely broken. It's got 160. It's got 167 attack and special attack, and 129 speed. Yeah. Um, this thing looks like if Kawhi Leonard were a Pokemon. Necrozma, yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's got Latios and Latios. That was what. The, that those are your other choices. Um, those Latios. are also um, legendary Pokemon, but they're probably not quite as good. No, yeah, they're not completely broken. They're mm-hmm. not completely busted ass and those are like basically like jet fighters mm-hmm. um it's kind of how they're built too yeah. it's like they they're they look like little planes and they just yeah. fly around um so uh yeah sam send alex a picture of latios and see how he feels about that one all right uh, i'm i'm looking at him right looking now at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah i like it okay he look like a plane right. i am scared of Flying a little bit. Okay. Well, full you don't have to fly on him, but that, now that is a good thing. Whenever there's so in, in, within in-game Pokemon, there is the concept of flying from town to town, and literally what happens in the little in-game animation is you hop on the Pokemon's back and you see them just whisk yeah. you off somewhere. It, it so. does not make much sense when the Pokemon you are doing that with is Dodrio, a three-headed well, ostrich. It makes even less sense when it's like a Pidgey. That's true. <laughs> so it's like a, a literal pigeon. It's literally it's a like, pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's supposedly actually you're just standing on top of this tiny little bird as it's flying you somewhere. Right. Um. Yeah. Okay. I I think this was pretty successful. I think either Magnezone or Latios. I think that's a good. I think that's mm-hmm. a good start. We got. Yeah. Alex I threw and... Magnezone out there because I knew everything else we came up with was going to be a legendary. So. Right. <laughs> This is this is one of the things. Well, this is really a thing about Alex is that he likes winners. So, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I do. I do. This I was all know. fun and went on a lot longer than I thought I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. It was a solid like forty minute conversation. This was a whole ass second podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next update when I give you the early two thousands metagame of uh, Pokemon oh, trading card that, game. Uh, we could. Yeah. We should. We really should at some point do a podcast and we just talk through the history of the metagame of yeah. both of both versions. Um, okay. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Oklahoma Drill, where we talk about how good OU football was and then talk about Pokemon. 
you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Um, follow us on Twitter at Alex B. Purdy, at RW Maxi. Nope, not. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Purd underscore Happily, P U R D underscore Happily, um, at RW Maxi and at Not That Sam Davis. Um, if you want to follow Nathan, you do have to beat him at the trading card game. Um, That's probably pretty easy nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know what 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 to what to do anymore. But right. yeah. um, and if you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a review, share it with a friend, uh, and we'll see you guys all next week.